I think the more we understand how everybody's different and all the beautiful things everybody brings to the world, and that maybe some of the those things that make us an uncomfortable, like people, immigrants with different cultures can be uncomfortable because it's different. But that's part of, like I said, the companies that are changing the world, that are American companies, the large percentage of the people driving those are are immigrants. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my good 12th listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Dr. Mike McManus. I am having trouble pronouncing that name because I had to make sure I can I can pause. And if you know anything about Indian culture, we don't pause when we talk. We just talk. So, Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, what I really liked about Mike's story and why I wanted to bring Mike on the show is that he he's a trained urologist who is uh, part of a practice right now. And uh, what we talk about on the show a lot is the burnout. And Mike had a real burnout moment where whether he wanted to continue, and he's going to talk about his story, but I want to give you a prelim of what to focus on as we record, as, as we talk about this, this episode. It's really around a person's journey who was very successful, who has spent a lot of time getting a degree, getting a qualification, being trained as a urologist and then transitioning out of it. Where I want you to start focusing on is what was his reasoning to quit something that he has spent decades in and learn, not only learning, but helping people. That's one, one thing I want you to focus. And the second is what was going through his mind while he was transitioning. And he's still in the transition process, which is perfect when we got Mike's information. Like this is a perfect time to bring him on because he's in that transition process right now. And what is going through his mind today from the decision he made to till we are today. So that's really what I want you to focus heavily on. A lot of the information is also relevant, but if, if you get one thing out of it is start to draw parallels in your journey. If you're feeling you're getting burnt out and you don't have enough time or energy or mental capacity to do things in your life, someone like Mike has been in your situation. So hopefully you get some inspiration from Mike and uh, let's dive in. Mike, again, Thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Oh, thanks for being here. It's it's a great show, and I'm so glad you have it out there to help people. Thanks, man. Mike, we always launch with one question. My favorite question is, what does migrate to wealth mean to you? Wow. You know, I, I think in the term migrate is you're, you're moving from one place to another, and whether that's physically or mentally, it, it requires some courage to make a change. And the, the wealth part is, to me, especially at this point, is, is really living your best life. You know, the wealth is, is freedom to be who you want to be and spend your time with the people you want to spend it with, more so than just numbers in a bank account. Yeah, definitely, Mike. And, and and as we, as you look into your journey, Mike, how has your definition of wealth evolved? 
let's go back to when you were in your 20s, early 20s, late late teens to now where wherever you are in, in your in your life cycle. Has the definition changed? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, I grew up in really a uh, a working class family. Both my parents had advanced degrees, had master's degrees, but you know, my dad worked for the county and my, my mom had been a teacher and then decided to stay at home. So family is six kids. So it we you know, at the time, I think looking back, we would have, you know, were barely, we were working class, definitely, maybe barely middle class. Yeah. But because of where we lived, we lived in a rural farm town, there there wasn't a lot of wealth. So it didn't stand out that way as that we had anything lacking, really. Right. But there wasn't a lot of extra money. There wasn't any fancy stuff. But it was a very, I would say, traditional American viewpoint that you go to school, you get good grades, and then you go to more school and you get good grades and you get a good job. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that was kind of the path, although my college years were, I didn't start medical school until I was 28 because I was doing other things. But I, I ended up back on that path. And it was really of having a job that provided security of income and security of the job to be able to support a family was really what started me down that yeah. road. But then you get there, and like I said, I, I, I never was somebody who wanted a lot of fancy things. But it's interesting, once you get going, you like things that are a little nicer than you had before. Right. And, and you change over time of, you know, what your, what your perspective is about what is wealth. You know, there's a, there's a great book called The Gap and the Gain. I um, love that. And, and talks about, you know, setting goals looking forward, but really looking back to see what you've done and about looking inside rather than comparing to other people. So I think that wealth, you know, to a good long-winded answer, I, I can talk as good as anybody there. We'll, we'll go on <laughs> that. That that really from a, from a family that although we weren't lacking, we didn't have a lot. I think wealth was more about having a little bit more about having stuff. Yeah. Where now it's more about uh, I would say freedom to be what I want to be. You know the the five freedoms: the uh, freedom yeah. of time, and location, and and relationships. To me, is what makes life wealth. Beautiful man, beautiful. So, Mike, how are you doing on that? How are you doing on that journey? We're getting there. You know, it's funny as I've been leaving practice, and and I'm half time now. And I'm going to have, and I have more time. And initially it felt like a lot of time to, to work on my other ventures. But as your mind changes of what you're used to, that time gets taken up. Yeah. And after years of being in a practice that was really in the, I mean, we were above the 95th percentile for productivity of, of just working hard all the time. You keep doing the same things. And, right. and I find myself still like now that there's not a set time, like it used to be clinic started at 8 a.m. and it finished at four and maybe the operating room went a little later, but there was a time block and, and I got really tired of being on call because it took up my other time. But outside of that time block was my time. You move into an entrepreneurial role all of a sudden there's not that same time block and it's right. really easy to run amok on yourself and be like, man, I haven't relaxed in a month. Now there's nobody else to blame. True, <laughs> 100%. 100%. So, yeah, so I, I haven't been doing that great of a job, especially like the past couple months on, on putting that together. I've been letting 
my new ventures and ambitions take too much time and take away from some of those other freedoms and relationships. But Mike, before we go forward, let's actually go back on that same journey, right? So you're a trained urologist, a very successful one. You had a great practice, which is in the 95th percentile in terms of the revenue per, per doctor, which is great. All these are great metrics. What was going on that you started to think you to get out of that? If you're, there if you're able to share that. You know, the the current practice I'm in, I came to about 10 years ago, and I joined a mentor from residency. And in the beginning, it was an amazing thing because I had these great people to learn from. And I was learning so much that that was really fulfilling. That was, was really driving. But then you reach a point where you kind of come off that logarithmic portion of the curve and, and that part flattens out. And so with that, my, my satisfaction, that, that new learning really drives me. And I've, I've found that that's part of what, you know, makes me feel good every day or feel whole. So as that new learning started to die off, there wasn't as much, I, I wasn't getting as much satisfaction out mm -hmm. in practicing medicine. So that part slid off. And then interestingly about the same time, because before that I was at work and then when I was at home, it was family time and a yeah. lot of time with, with my two daughters. So about the same time that I was becoming less inspired at work, my kids were entering middle school and becoming more independent and and that relationship changed over a couple of years where they don't right. they don't need you the same way correct and so there were a couple big gaps that opened up at the same time and that's really i think in, in looking back where the burnout really kind of drove in is i was still working really hard but my rewards in life my my personal emotional deep rewards were going away Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story, Mike. I think a lot of people can relate to that because oh, you what, what Tony Robbins always talks about it. He's one of my mentors. If you're not growing, you die. And growth could happen. Doesn't necessarily mean growth is always eternally. It could be, but that doesn't mean all the time. A lot of people are craving for personal growth. And I think for you, if I can draw something out of your story, was really there's a lot of personal growth at the early stages of those ten years uh, because you're learning a lot. You're joining your event, excited. You're learning to. The tricks of the trade, how to think about things more efficiently. Your mind was churning, your mind was learning. Mind actually probably drew a fall on everything else because you justified everything because you were growing. And then came a stage where everything became mechanical because you kind of had figured out that there's only so much you could learn at that time from that practice. So you're like, what else can I do? And, and of course, given the tradition you're talking about, your children moving from from primary to now middle school, you're like elementary to middle school. I can never figure this out. Your prime, now transitioning into middle school, well, like you know what? I have a little bit more time, and I am not that satisfied at work. What else can I do? Right? That question is such an amazing question. I'm going to ask you a very radical question. See if you have, if you have a perspective for me to that. What if you kept that question alive? when you joined the practice, would the outcome be any different? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I'm part of that. I think is, is me and how much the, the desire to learn new things mm. is there. And I've kind of had to accept that there's, 
it you know on the downside where I love to learn new things is sometimes the the drawback of that is then following through with certain things yeah and and now building my own business there's this realization that now you got to build a team to support you if you're right. if you're not that person who both has the vision and likes to to do the the grind through and build things that you need now build a team underneath you and right. uh, cuz somebody's got to do it or else you just spin out and don't get anywhere right um, right right so I, I think for me i i had a neighbor for a while and, and it's just one of those those contrasts and uh, we lived out in the country and he lived a few miles down the road and, and he would always joke that, you know, he graduated sixth from last in his high school class. And he was uh, a very talented heavy equipment operator. He ran one of the biggest excavators in the world and did a lot of work for fiber optic lines. So it had to be very precise. While he was at work, he was responsible for the lives of all these people around him while he's got this big machine. And at the end of the day, he went home and you know, like a lot of people in Wisconsin, hung out in the driveway and drank beer. Yeah. And uh, and he was very satisfied, very happy, felt very fortunate for the life he had. Right. And I had this drive to do more, and which at times left to being very unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm jealous. Right. <laughs> I'm a little bit that jealous. That seems really content and satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're all a little different like that. And and it took, I mean, it was a process of going, okay, instead of being jealous, that's not me. So I need to really embrace who I am and find a way to put that together into my best life. Because if I were him, I would have got bored doing what he's doing. Correct. And, you know, and so we, we all got our own journey and it's figuring out. We all do. I think we all have our own. It's kind of interesting. You know, I always talk about it. I've changed. And I say jokingly, but I'm I'm sad at my heart. I've changed 25 addresses in 23 tablets in the U.S. It doesn't, 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 doesn't show a lot about my stability, right? But I was talking to my wife about it. I think we both came to the conclusion that if we really asked, if, if we would have been stabilized, in the traditional form, we would have killed ourselves because that's not, just that's not who we are. Because we like change, and we like to because change equates you're always in area zone. All right, you're always not surrounded by people you're comfortable with. You have to change yourself to adapt to somebody else's environment. Like when we moved to Wisconsin for about a year and a half, it was a completely different world for us because Wisconsin is not like DC because. People have deep relationships that goes lifetimes away, right? Kind of like your parents, your parents' parents. Everyone lived there. People are less open. And we had to break into that network to build a social system. Like, you you have to completely change who you are. In DC, you can make friends on the street. Not that Wisconsin people are not friendly. They're very friendly. But they don't have a need for new friends. That is so absolutely true. That was part of our adjustment moving to Wisconsin because... I grew up in a, well, it was a small farm town, but we were in Western Colorado. So really we were surrounded by the tourist industry. Right. And, and so there was a lot of change of people yeah. like DC and people would make strong friendships 
in 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 a matter of months. Correct. We're moving here, and it says a lot about the people here of that that bond that yeah you know like people are hanging out with kid with people they've known since as long their whole life as long as right. I know they play right. together as babies because their parents played together as babies right and their parents one hundred percent man I always joke that. I grew up in this neighborhood. I married the girl next door. She's my high school sweetheart. Our kids played together, and they're gonna marry the girl next door. I'm like, this is this is Wisconsin for me. There's no <laughs> need for you to come into my life unless unless you can really add a massive amount of value to me, not monetarily, but socially and and emotionally and spiritually. I don't need you. Yeah, and we it can was something we to it. Again, I think to your to your point about the other guy that you were talking about, the heavy machinery guy, it's like I'm happy. Why do I change myself? I'm happy. I don't need anything else. Yeah, and, and I mean back to I, I think it was Tony Robbins. I heard it from Brendan Burchard about you can only have like four or five close friends, right? You know, there, we only have so much bandwidth, and then you know it starts moving out, and so when you already have those. And you've had those five close friends for as long as you can remember, because you had your diapers changed together. Yeah, and it's a, it, it is it's an interesting culture because it's people are very friendly, right? But it's hard to be beyond a peripheral relationship. Definitely, definitely out of it. We uh, so we have to change our thinking. We have to change ourselves. We have to be okay that we're not going to become friends in two meanings. Or at least we will remain at Quintus for months, and okay. and we had to figure it out. And that actually not only made us appreciate the openness and the transitory nature of DC, but also gave us a glimpse into what does stability do, right? Because in our life always is that we don't want to be we because it seems. And this is this is my theory. I could be completely off. I think we're going off script, which is perfectly fine. I love it. Uh, this conversation is real. I think it's kind of more about when you are not comfortable, you have to remain open, period. You cannot be saying, I only, Mike's my best friend because I grew up with him. Well, Pocket could be another friend and he could bring a very different value to you, but the depth of the relationship could be very different. But introducing a new person in your life brings a lot of sometimes conflicting opinions, conflicting perspectives, and in those conflicts is when you grow, right? That's really where a lot of I look at, and I'm an immigrant myself, so I can definitely speak about it. When you, when an immigrant leaves their country and they move to physical immigration, we're talking about, because there are different types of migration. We're talking about physical immigration. You, you, you can't hold on to anything that you knew mentally. That's... You can't say mom's going to cook food for me because I may not have moved with you, right? Or your foods may not be available in that country. So now you have to completely change and adapt, uh, which is why probably, probably the drive to succeed is always going to be there because they're never comfortable because they're not alone. That's, and well, and it's such a different, I mean, I moved a lot, but the you know my full spectrum of where i've lived has been from alaska to virginia oh wow i didn't come from another culture though like i i, I try and but think that's about a that, like culture i mean west to east is completely alaska i have no idea i've never been to alaska 
Uh, but I can only imagine where where the sun only comes up for three hours. Sun always comes up or never comes up, only to expose. Uh, I was there at the fourteen hours of sun. <laughs> but the difference in people who who move from India, I mean, that's I I I don't think that was outside of my realm of comfort. I think right go. I'm going to move to another country. I have, I have a friend from, you know, my early adulthood who ended up moving permanently to Chile. You know, there, there's so much more when you go into a culture that's completely Definitely. different. And I, I think that's why you look, you know, you look so much at so many things that are where America drives change, but the people driving the change aren't natives. No, it's, they, it's very unfortunate, very unfortunate, because the land of opportunity, unfortunately, if you become comfortable, and it's probably going to happen to me, my my family, it's just going to happen. And I've accepted that. I'm like, I'm not going to fight that uh, because the the hunger and the drive changes. But I think to your earlier point, where you were talking about the heavy machinery guy, right? That your neighbor, I think it's probably what's happened to him, right? Yeah. Like he's probably being... The best at his trade, he's reached his peak. He's like, that's all I want to do. I always want to do. That's all I ever knew. Well, why would I do anything more now? I'm done. I've achieved the peak. And you've kind of got all you want. You don't have that drive. I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of people in other countries who go, yeah, America would be cool, but I'm fine here. You know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Not all my family is here, and they don't want to come here. Not because the place sucks. They're like. We live like kings in India. Why would we come, Saket, to wash dishes every night? Oh, like you yeah. make a very good point. You shouldn't, but you'll gain something very different. Yeah, dishwashing is going to be hard, and making your own food and cleaning your own house. But the expansion and experience and the growth, even if you move for a year or two, it's going to be tremendous. Tremendous. It is, but it's a special person who does that. I completely, I mean, really, completely agree. And and that's why those people I think come and they and they change things. They do amazing things. And probably that's because if if you I mean, if you're smart enough, especially if you didn't have resources in 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 wherever you came from in India, yeah, and you can figure out how to with minimal resources get to the other side of the world and start a Definitely, life. Man. Definitely. You've got some significant skills. Completely. And and then if you're like, okay, I don't want to wash dishes, and you start figuring out more, and once you start realizing like what I can do, you know, and 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 then you start yeah. layering on another layer and another layer, that those are people who change the world. No, one hundred percent, Mike. You, you touched something very deeply that I want to I want to just on a little more. I think it's kind of like, and this is not just about me. It's probably true for a lot of people, not just immigrants is that the question you ask is very important, right? You could say that in America, you can't afford uh, somebody to wash their dishes or because in India, the labor is cheap. So at least it was when I left on now. But it's everyone has somebody helping in the house, cooking food, cleaning dishes. Uh, there's, there's just every household has it. So there's only two ways to look at it. You can complain about it saying that U.S. doesn't have it, it has it. You can't afford it, right? It's a very different it's a very different mentality. So now the question is you can say, I can't afford it, or you can ask a very different question. How can I afford it? 
If that's so uh, important to you, the question is not about, I'm going to complain about it. The question is, what can I do about it? I know a way that I may be able to hire somebody to wash my dishes because I hate it so much. It takes away so much of my valuable time. I'm making it all up. And dishwashing is just an example. I love washing dishes uh, to, my, to my lovely wife. I'll always wash it. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, but it's, it's washing dishes, it's, it's a more of a metaphor, right? Whatever you hate doing in life, there's only two options you have. We can complain about it and say that life sucks. People around me suck. Or you can ask a very different question. How can I make it better? That's, yes. Yeah. And I think that's I, what I love about your journey, Mike, because that's the question you're asking, right? You have the free time, your time, and compared to before, of course, your mind's going to say, I'm going to, I thought I had two hours extra, and that two hours extra, you would have thought that it would change my life. And now that two hour gets passed away like that. Uh, because your mind fills it up with activities that you either feel necessary or it creates an urgency or importance and that two hours are gone that you can say, I'll read a book, I'll write a paper, I'll do this, I'll work out, I'll go jump from from my rocket, whatever your, your, that two hours seems so big when you didn't have them, but now you have them, it looks so small. Yeah. And when we all know, I mean, and I remember back, you know, in, in college and in medical school, the, the less time you have, the more productive you get with the time you have. And I remember when I first carved out two hours a day, when you say two hours to work on my side projects, I'm building yeah. my life. And it was a huge deal. And then as of last October, I go half time. And now I've carved out an additional two and a half days a week. Right. And at first it was this huge thing and I was making all this progress and, and making great utilization of it. And then slowly it becomes normal. And then, yeah. and then I take on additional projects and now it's too much. And, and, and then Correct. it's kind of coming back and it's, it's a really interesting process. I think when somebody comes out of, and, and, and I guess I knew this going in as a doctor, it, it's been a very specific pathway. And, and you know, right. the pathway to get there is you go to school, you get good grades, you go to the next school, you get good grades, you go to residency, you get a job. And then even the job, somebody's schedule, you don't have to right. find right. patients. You don't schedule them yourself. Yeah. You don't, you show up and you got a full clinic schedule. You got a full OR schedule and you do the work. And it can be, and there's there's creativity within the work of solving problems. But what am I going to do today? I don't right. need to plan that. It's, it's fed to me. Sometimes it's fed through a fire hose. Yeah. And now... <laughs> the pros and cons of that, but yes, you're right. And now you step away into something different where now you have to... Time management is a totally different yeah. beast. Yeah. When you have the opportunity to, you know, get sidetracked doing nothing and, you know, and whether it's, oh, I need to follow up on this connection that I made through yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Now I'm scrolling Facebook, which I've done more scrolling Facebook in the last two months than I did the last 20 years. <laughs> and I've never been a Facebook scroller. I'm yeah. like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like one more post promise to myself, just one more, just one more, just one more. Yeah. 
or looking out the window or, or, or whatever it used to be you never did. Yeah. And some of that is positive stuff. Some of it is downtime. It's rest that you much must, you know, we, we need, but some of it's horribly wasted. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I, I think I love this conversation because we're, my wife is going through a period right now where she's going back to school. She's going back to study Indian medicine, which is called Ayurveda, arguably the oldest medicine in the world. I'm not going to argue with anybody on that. But she's studying that, and she's full-time into school right now. She's actually moved away from home just so that she can focus. Uh, she's in Asheville, North Carolina. And I'm like, so I love that. We've been married for 23 years. You choose the time to go back to the school when I was looking forward to my freedom because I quit W2 two years ago. I'm like, how yeah. you filled up my time without asking me? Because now I'm a, I'm a married but single dad. I love that. I love that part of my life. Which, I mean, I would not trade that for anything. But I'm like, this is interesting when you have, when the time frees up, the opportunity just opens up because your mind's not constrained anymore. We, I know you and I both had uh, Coach T, Trevor McGregor as our coach. He's the one who I uh, had a conversation with before quitting. He's like, Saki, just quit. I'm like, why? He said, because you won't have any constraints on your thinking. Right now, as a W-2 employee, you have constraints on your thinking. And it's good or bad, that's, that's arguable. But you have constraints. Because somebody else is giving you, you can think between these two lines. But if you step out of say, your line, you may lose your job. So stay within those two realms and you'll be fine. But now there are no boundaries, which is good and bad. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how your you know your wife probably felt constrained before because you had a definitely man. I I was not available, so she had to hold the fort down. Yeah, understandable. And now there was room, and she chased a dream. She's like, I'm going to do it before you pick something else that you're going to drag us down with. I'm going to say I'm doing this. You win. Uh, you sacrificed all your life because of me. I've moved you multiple different states, not the countries. Actually, one time a country as well. Uh, now it's your turn. So uh, we'll, we'll do that. So, Mike, as you move forward, what is your plan now? How are you going to make the most out of the time that you have created, time freedom that you've created for yourself? So I'm, I work two days a week until the end of May, and mm -hmm. then I'm done completely. This summer, we are moving to Salt Lake City. Awesome. My wife and I are both originally from Colorado, so that's much closer much to closer. home and opened up a lot of opportunity, more of the things that fill our soul, yeah. mountains, the, the being right. outside, desert. Uh, so that's our big move coming up. And uh, my time is now focused into several different ventures that my my initial world i built to be able to leave medicine was commercial real estate mm -hmm. and now we're focusing went through that process like a lot of people started out with small uh, you know we bought a, a fourplex right. and various course of events how it was actually things that didn't work out the way i, I planned but that yeah. meeting the right people have now transitioned into non-multifamily and that was really through connecting with a uh, gentleman ash patel and his group invest beyond multifamily we're doing retail industrial warehouse land entitlement 
Uh, it's a wonderful space where there's a lot of room for creativity. Mm-hmm. There's less rules where, you know, when you're dealing with where people live, there's a lot more legal restrictions okay. as to how you can do things. When it's a business to business contract, definitely you, you can set it up however you like. So it's clear. Okay. It, it's fun in that way that some of the best deals we've seen come through our group actually started out as throwaways and somebody else picked it up and dug into it and found the silver lining. And some of them turn into, you know, like, you know, what was worthless turns into a double your money in a, in a year kind of deal. Right. And so that that's really fun with that part. Through that, and this is where, like you said, you take the guardrails off and and what happens is opportunity comes. So uh, because of my involvement there, I got involved with a company called Rise Medical that is a relationship wellness med spa that has within their program relationship counseling, which is probably the thing that's missing from most of those. Right. Plus, you know, sexual wellness program for men and women. Uh, to kind of work on the whole package and that this year will become a franchisable business. I mean, with the focus they've got it built out, it can be really easy to drop right into an existing medical practice. So so I'm involved with that and then spinning out of that and yeah. the commercial real estate. Um, I've made some great connections with some people who have automated their real estate business using a lot of AI tools. Mm-hmm. And so between that and the Rise Medical Group, we're working on converting some of those tools to build out some efficiency platforms for medical practices. And hopefully we'll have that rolling out between now and next summer. So Amazing. Did you you ever think that would be your job, recruiting? No. I I mean, some of this, like two years ago if somebody had hit me up with the med spa idea it's so in in western medicine and it's really just because the way you know what we do is sick care it yeah. there there's so many negatives you hear for out throughout right. your career right. about somebody being entrepreneurial and building a business and so those things are always very negative and you know, then when you take those blinders off and kind of go, well, is this helping people? And you're providing a service that people want to pay for and they're psyched about. Well, that's a good thing. And would have I ever thought I would be in a tech deal? Absolutely not. You know, yeah. especially, you know, you're in your mid fifties and not in the, the tech Correct. business, but Correct. all the things you've done in life kind of come together. And I start seeing all these gaps and, and things that could be easily fixed with tools that were already available. Yeah. And then you start talking to people and I'm talking to the tech people, real estate side. And yeah. they're like, at first they're like, no, we don't do medicine. And then they're like, oh, these are just practice management. These are, I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we already have that. And then it was kind of like, how do we now, well, I've never built this in a, in a medical business. How do we do this? So as we're digging around and I'm beating my head against the wall, I realized I already know the people who know how to build it and right. have the resources to to beta test it. So it kind of all kind of, I know at times I, I, I really, I this morning, I'm like, do I need to cut some of this out? Am mm-hmm. I doing too much? And it probably is, but now it's building the team underneath. So I started, right. I hired a VA in November, which was my first step in 
and moving through this. And we're probably going to expand that to a bigger team. Uh, the hard part is a lot of this stuff isn't generating a whole lot of revenue yet. So it's yet. spending. Yet. Just yet. Man, if if I, I keep thinking, if I, you know, you always realize what you realize with hindsight. If I could go back to when I started this journey of leaving two years ago and understand all the things that I should spend money on that I wasn't going to, yeah. all the things I was going to spend money on that I shouldn't have. Shouldn't have spent, yeah. I mean, I could have built out a significant VA team out of my earnings and built this whole system Correct. before I even stepped back. Completely, 100%, Mike. I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, even if you knew at that time, you wouldn't have done it because you were not. You had to be ready to get to that point. And looking back, yeah, I think what I say, hindsight 2020, looking back, you should have, you could have, and you would have, but you were a different person back then, right? And that's probably the, the most, I think, a very insightful thought about for anyone who always says that, I wish I was able to go back in time and do this. Well, you probably, even if you knew what you knew, you wouldn't have done it because you were not this person, period. That's so true. I mean, that's, that's I, I yes, I, I look back, I had some opportunities handed to me on a silver platter in my 20s. Yeah. Go down the road that I'm going down now and could have done it with less risk, not giving up a high paying job, right. not, and just wandered into it. My whole life probably would have been a lot stressful and a lot more fun. Right. But I wasn't ready for it then. You were not it, ready. It, you probably wouldn't have appreciated. Now you're looking back, you can. Because I think at some point, even if you, if you, you know, I always talk, think about that, right? What if I took that path? Well, I could have taken that path, but I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be married to the woman I love. I wouldn't be having two beautiful kids that I love. Life would have been very different. I don't know better or worse. I have no idea. And I don't want to gamble it. I'm like, this is perfect. Now let's make the most of it. Which actually transitions us to the next question, Mike, which is uh, towards the end of our show, we always ask for lasting questions, which is looking back, right, as your 20-year-old self, what's one insight you would give that person that could change the entire trajectory of their life? Just one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to do anything different because I think your life has turned out the perfect way it would have, it could have, it should have. But there's a 20-year-old Mike listening to this show somewhere. How can we impact their life? I, I think I can say this one with confidence because my 17 and 19-year-old daughters hear this all the time. Don't get stuck living somebody else's life. And it's, it's hard at that age because you're you're still learning who you are and you're learning right. what the world is. And, and you have to somewhere try on, like listen to other people and be like okay, this way the world works and, and try it out. But um, I think for a lot of kids who do well in school, and I call it the smart kid trap, don't get stuck thinking you have to take the hardest classes and the hardest major that are in, in school. Right. That those aren't going to always lead you to, to what your dream is. And, and maybe that's the, the thing that I learned on this journey is the, the look ahead 10 years. Right. It, it's, it's hard to do. Especially when you're 20, you know, you look back 10 years, you were 10, you were totally a different person. 
Yeah. But where where do you want to be in 10 years? What's your ideal life? And are the decisions you're making leading to that ideal life or leading somewhere else? Correct. And it's okay if your ideal life changes. Because if that changes, now you got a different vision. Okay, am I on track to my new vision? And that's what I didn't do. Like, I don't know. And then I'll change. And so why make a plan? Right. It's going to change. That's That was the wrong answer. Yeah. Make a plan. Get a vision for an ideal life. Make a plan to get there. If it changes, great. But then you have something to guide those decisions. Right. Am I doing things that lead to my ideal life? Or are they leading off some other place that's a random event? Yeah. And if you choose a random event path, great. At least you did it knowing what you were choosing. 100%, Mike. Love, love, love that ask because I think it's, I led my life looking up. I'm going to take a day at a time. And I don't care about planning. I know the confidence I'll figure it out. Uh, while, I, while I had a great life, I can't complain about it. But had I had a plan to move towards, but the key is, to your point, not being married to that. But give you 100% to that plan. Commit yourself, do everything. Just because the hurdle comes doesn't mean you give up on the plan. But don't put a guarantee of that plan happening because what happens with that guarantee is that you put blinders on too close and too early. Let the plan manifest itself. And at some point, if you decide that, you know, this is not plan, this is not worth pursuing anymore for a variety of reasons because you change as a person or you have spouse or a partner in your life, kids in your life, your aspirations, your vision changes, you have to remember that plan is that you work out you would have imagined you have an imagination for life then. Right? So don't be married to it. I love that plan. Let's love the idea of but a plan less life is probably gonna lead you to a life which is really haphazard. And you look back when you're 40, 50, uh, you'll realize that I wish I had yeah, and that, that plan's not just, what's my job going to be? Right. I mean, I got this from Brendan Burchard. You think about, you know, like, how do you want to live every day? What time do you want to get up? Yeah. What part of the world do you want to live in? Who are the people right. you want to be around? Uh, how do you want to work? Do you want to be in a creative space? Do you want to, you know, be sitting at a computer? Do you want to be out wandering through the sagebrush? Um, and then you build that vision and then what job fits into that vision? Correct. And it might be something you didn't consider otherwise. Yeah. But if that job fits your whole life vision, you're probably going to like it. Correct. Correct. 100%. Whatever. My great, thank you for that answer, Len. Very insightful. We're going to take a little bit of an abstract view on the next question around where do you feel humanity as a whole lack? And where should we migrate to as humans in the next few decades? Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> we, I was watching a, a, a movie with my wife last night from, uh, it was about the Catholic Protestant struggles in, in England when, you know, when they were banning the Catholic church and right. you just keep going, wow, like, you know, so much of human history is, you know, power struggles and how different things that were meant to be beautiful were were misused. And and I think actually the world is becoming a better place as much as it's hard to see. And we just we have to continue to to strive down that road. And we're gonna see a lot of changes. I I, I really do believe this 
that we're going to see the revolution is going to change the way we work and there will be good and bad of it. Um, but, you know, if we take that and look at it, that if it gets rid of a lot of tasks we don't want to do anyway, or it keeps us living our best life and being productive. But, you know, I think the more we understand how everybody's different and all the beautiful things everybody brings to the world and that maybe some of the those things that make us an uncomfortable like people immigrants with different cultures yeah. can be uncomfortable because it's different but that's part of you know like i said the companies that are changing the world that are american companies Definitely. the large percentage of the people driving those are are immigrants and and it's that new ideas mixing together to yeah. come up with beautiful things and help us understand each all of us better. I love, love that, Mike. I think we're all trying to strive for that. You're doing that with your scene because if you're not open to new ideas, you won't be making this change. So part of that is that I think in that journey, we will end up coming, doing service to the Holy. Everyone tries to be the better version of them by inviting a change. Whatever the change could be, it doesn't have to be 25 films. It could be as simple as being open to a great idea that somebody didn't respect offered because that idea could literally transform the way I thought would be a new shape, shape your reality into very different. So thank you, Mike, for saying. Uh, oh, you, you're welcome. And the, you know, the, sorry, I'm probably overrunning my time, but the, no, that's finally, you know, the idea of migrating for, to wealth, and, and I just read this in a book, I want to give proper credit, so I'm just going to, I'm going to reference it as the, oh, self, Seth Godin, and all of Seth Godin's books are amazing. But the idea of, and this is a book about marketing, but the, not just marketing, but business. Marketing like a pro? Is that well, one? What's that? This is marketing, or which one is that? Mark, yeah. I love that book. Love that book. And that if you start out, if, if, if how you are in your living in life is you go out and you look at other people and you find their pain points and you find yeah. their problems and their frustrations yeah, and you find solutions to those, you're going to be financially successful and you're going to make the world right. a better place. Right. Like 100%. 100%. Mike, thank you again, buddy. Appreciate it. One last parting question. Actually, two maybe. One last one, which is very important, uh, both are important, is, is there anything you wish I asked you on this episode that we that you feel worth mentioning? I think I threw in my last one right there. Uh, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mike, thank you again for talking. Mike, if somebody wants to learn about the work you do, get in touch with you, maybe have a conversation, where can they find you? Our website is thefortresscapital.com. That should, we just rebuilt it, should go live today. <laughs> that awesome. meeting this morning. Wow. Surgeon Syndicate Podcast is on all the major platforms. Um, this it's really focuses on educating doctors, medical professionals about the non-multifamily commercial space and other financial planning things. Wow. And on LinkedIn is probably where I check my messages and there's, you know, on a regular basis and try and make a point of reaching out to people. But if you go to the Fortress Capital, there'll be a link there if you want to have a conversation to just schedule a call. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you again for taking the time. 
Um, and listeners, thank you again for you lending us your most precious asset, which is your time. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, uh, for you to tune in. And until next time, take, uh, take it easy and hope and go build a great life. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.